0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Many nights we've prayed with no proof anyone could hear. In our hearts, a hopeful song we barely understood. Now So we know there's much to fear. Yet now I'm standing here, here. I'm standing With hearts here. so full I can't explain Seeking, Seeking faith, and faith and speaking, speaking words
0: Gentlemen, welcome to the Portico of Solomon. Good to be in the saddle tonight. Uh, I happen to be driving this one. It's been a long time since I got in the uh, seat with this one. But, uh, Thames and I have been in, uh, well, what would you call it? I would say heavy deliberation uh, as to what to do to the current crisis uh, facing the Eurozone at present moment. And of course, uh, Jose is back in the saddle. Um, The only reason why I'm driving and he's not is because, I I guess, because of time constraints this was put together today and he was at work. Uh, So, ladies and gentlemen, we've got lots to talk about. Uh, So, uh, Jose,
2: it's good to have you back in the saddle, bud. Um, How's it been going on your end? Hey, Matthew. It's uh, it's good to be back on with you guys. Uh, Things have been going good. Um, a little bit hectic like we've kind of talked about uh, privately but you know it's always good to get to get together with my brothers and uh, you know it just seems lately that things keep piling up on top of each other so even even with this show you know I'm, I'm on with you guys but that um, I'm also uh, running around doing errands so that's why you kind of hear some road noise but you know what just needed to get done and, and Thames was Was pretty insistent about about bringing this out. So I'm glad to be on with you guys to do this. Amen. Well, that's where I caught myself
0: last time we broadcasted. I was actually in the middle of helping a friend move. So I know exactly uh, what you're going through. And, well, perhaps everybody listening should take that to heart. Uh, Tims, how are you been today, uh, buddy? I understand that you got very little sleep. Uh, I didn't get any sleep last night, ladies and gentlemen. I haven't been to bed. Uh, and the strange thing about it is is I am not uh, under duress at all. I don't feel tired in the least bit. Um, I just took a, a gander at the news here just a second ago, and uh, we're going right where we talked about uh, actually for quite some time now. So Tim, uh how's your day been so far? And uh what's your feel of the situation?
3: Hey, can you guys hear me, okay? <clears throat> oh yeah, got you fine. I um I'm in the process of I had to reset my computer so I'll be in properly here in another uh 2 minutes, but uh uh long day, but I'm I'm good. I'm I'm in one piece. I'm just uh uh like you I didn't get any sleep. <laughs> um but I'm I'm here and that's where I'm supposed to be, so I'm I'm good. Thank you for asking.
0: Well ladies and gentlemen as you all probably are well aware, um there's been two major things in the news both this weekend. Uh, one is uh concerning our own government, which is absolutely irrelevant. Um, as far as I am concerned. The other is, of course, what's happening uh, to Greece. Now, it caught my attention today. Um, I just decided to search for a term and see what I could find. Well, I found it, Uh, the Grexodus. Uh, It was in reference to, of course, the country of Greece leaving the Eurozone. Just take note uh, that their currency was always, of course, drachma. Uh, that is, of course, in the scripture. Uh, everybody forgets that it's normally the Roman currency that's used in the Bible, but drachma is there and in the most important of places uh, for this in time that we're in. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, this is... Uh, rather concerning to me because the Greek people just would not listen. They refused to listen. Uh, Even though it was common knowledge uh, what uh, their currency was valued out against the euro. Uh, It was common knowledge uh, what the banks were doing. There was no way uh, that they could ever uh, catch up. There was just no way. When you continually take loans to sustain your working environment, as far as the government goes, it's an in-game. The only time that loan should ever be given to uh, municipalities or governments is for special projects, and that's it. Once you begin to get loans for general operating expenses, it's in-game. You can never pay them back. There's no way. Uh, You're over your head today, and you're only going to be worse tomorrow. And this scenario plays out... Of course, as we talked uh, last week, uh, we talked about this and its severity with the uh, simple fact that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get down to a pharaoh in each of the regions. As far as I'm concerned, uh, mathematically speaking, uh, you can just take a precursory look at what's going on in Europe and come to the Realization, in rather short order, that it is Germany that is the pharaoh uh, in this uh, situation here that we have. Now, take note uh, that there is going to be ten pharaohs in the end, but this is going to be done by economic region, and uh, we already have sign of that uh, because... Well, who was the last one to give the country of Greece a loan that would only uh, last for one week? That was Germany. They were the only ones to have any funds to lend. So the rubber's hitting the road here. Uh, this is this is going to come to pass. And uh, right now, the Greek people uh, are in serious hardship. Uh, they simply would not listen. Uh, all of the experts across the board, have been screaming the same thing. Um, Just today, uh, I listened to uh, the Kaiser Report, I I guess, from yesterday, and that's what this was about. So we have no shortage of information as to the direness of the situation that's been going on for quite some time. However, we saw other things today. Thames was very quick to send me. Uh, a link today about the Italian banks. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there was absolutely no rhyme or reason behind it. Nobody could see it coming. There was no reason uh, for the banks uh, there to be affected uh, by the Greek shutdown. But it is. And everybody really needs to know that uh, Europe basically is insolvent. There's no way they can continue on the course that they're on. So with that in mind, I I really do want you to listen uh, to uh, Tim as he explains this. Because if you don't, uh, you need to realize that the same exact thing that's happening today and has been happening for a while, as I posted in the show notes, people have been fleeing Greece for quite a long time because, well, there's quite simply no rhyme or reason for young people to graduate there's no jobs there. there 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 is no growth it's dead it's a dead issue it's been a dead issue and it's triggered an exodus from that country the same thing's going to happen to you actually this is an in-game scenario And there's no way this pyramid scheme can indefinitely exist. It was designed from the get-go to fail. So uh, with that in mind, Tim, why don't you explain what happened to the Italian banks uh, today, uh, stemming from that information that you sent me.
3: Okay. Um, So... A number of uh, banks, the article, uh, I don't recall it actually giving a number, um, a number of the banks uh, in Italy actually were closed today. Um, the reason why a bank would be closed would be for one reason. That's because the bank doesn't have enough deposits on hand to handle all of the withdrawals. Um, this uh, situation is often referred to as contagion, meaning the banking system is interconnected. Um, you know, your, your leg is connected to your, um, <clears throat> the rest of your body and it's not possible for you to, uh, injure your leg without having, you know, an impact on the rest of your health. And, uh, because the Euro is interconnected the way that it is, uh, people should be expecting, uh, that other financial institutions are going to have, uh, ripples, uh, or an impact because of what's happened in Greece. And we're seeing that, uh, the Italian banks, some of them were not able to open today, uh, because they just did not have funds to cover, uh, um, uh, the potential withdrawals. And I, I would guess if I had a chance to look at their ledgers, those banks <clears throat> probably have loans or syndicated deals on their books that involve, uh, Greek institutions. And that's probably why they, um, why they're not in a position to to do any lending or or to um, allow people to have access to their deposits. So there you have it. And it would seem
0: to me that the only reason why this occurred was because the banks in question uh, had some measure of fear, uh, ladies and gentlemen, because they obviously had a conscience. They knew uh, they could not proceed as scheduled, So they actually did the right thing. I don't know if they were ordered to do so, but in my opinion, uh, them doing so uh, was very prophetic indeed. It was just a hint in the shadow of what is to come. Uh, And I decided to look in other corners, and I found the strangest article today. Um, It detailed how a, a man was very upset in France. Uh, So he climbed up a set of electrical poles and displayed a banner uh, of a uh, historical and very prominent leader of the French people, uh, the one that led them through World War II. In doing so, uh, for security measures, uh, France shut down that power grid. The only bad thing about it was that it shut off Spain. In my opinion, that event only occurred so that the children of God could know just how ugly this could get in very short order. People need to understand that um, these countries are not countries like the United States. They are not self-sustained at all. Uh, everybody knows they are quite dependent on Russia for their um, natural gas that they used to heat with in the time, and that's just the beginning. Uh, you have water lines across borders, electrical lines across borders. It really is quite dire when you look at what could happen uh, in the advent of war this time. This time, the war is going to be a whole lot more complicated uh, than it ever was in times past. So when we look at things that way, we are literally looking at a micro scenario here of what could happen in the United States. Uh, these banks and, – and Tim and I talked about it last night. You don't understand that uh, the banks have been set up the only reason why they went to one currency because people in uh, you know Spain work in Italy, vice versa. They all uh, cross borders on a daily basis uh, that's why there's there's ferries that go from of course great britain to the mainland that's why because people work on both sides they live in one country work in the other just like they do here um, it's not uncommon at all uh, for people to work in one state and live in another so uh, with this in mind
4: uh,
0: looking over the 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 situation Uh, Tim and I began to look at this biblically because I don't know how to look at anything else. Um, I just don't. And uh, Tim uh, came up with uh, some scriptures that immediately come to his mind and I agreed. And I told him that we probably should discuss those in short order. Uh, Because this is going to come here. Because... Christ, who is our King, has promised us that it was. And that is the end of the matter. The only thing for us to do uh, is to act accordingly. The only thing it is for Jose and Tam and I to do is to instruct you accordingly. Whether you listen or not is out of our purview. The three of us must simply Obey the law, and do as we are directed. That's it. So what we talk about today, you had better take it to heart. Uh, Tim, before we look at the scripture, I did want you to address one thing. It was you that uh, sent me uh, several things about cryptocurrency and like i said i i watched max kaiser again here a little bit before the show and once again uh in the second part of his program uh once again and i haven't i've probably seen only 5 episodes and uh this is like you know 2 out of 5 or maybe even 3 out of 5 that at the second half of, of his broadcast he brought on an expert in cryptocurrency and um, why don't you share uh, with the listeners what that is and your thoughts on the matter? And I will certainly share mine when you're done. Uh, but bring the listener up to speed on what cryptocurrency
3: is, please. Okay. So cryptocurrencies are it's a, synth- a synthetic way of people exchanging value. Um, there's what is known as a peer-to-peer network which basically means everyone in the network has to agree that something has transpired. And when that happens, it becomes – the ledger is updated. The universal ledger that everyone has access to um, can see and agree that that a transfer occurred. But um, cryptocurrencies uh, allow you to transact uh, anonymously. Uh, We have anti-money laundering legislation uh, because of the Patriot Act, and even prior to that, there were a number of things in place, but certainly after 9-11, we really ramped that up because of fears of of terrorists. But the cryptocurrencies um, allow good guys or bad guys to transact when a government may or may not be in agreement with them doing so. Um, And in fact, many people in Greece, um, as well as Cyprus a few years ago, have used uh, cryptocurrencies as a way to uh, transfer wealth when the normal means of exchange was completely shut down to them. Um, but that's essentially what a, what a cryptocurrency is. There's a number of different currencies that are out there in place. The first one that was invented, uh, of course, was the Bitcoin uh, by Satoshi uh, Namamoto. Um, the name has a very interesting meaning if you want to look that up on uh, mm-hmm trace the origins of that, uh, very interesting, Um, but it's basically a a means of exchanging value between two parties that may or may not know each other, but you can trust that the transaction is uh, bona fide because of the uh, very public peer-to-peer nature in which it occurs. I see. So,
0: in effect, I... It is a safe haven uh, from the government-controlled currency
3: basis, correct? Yes. I mean, it, it's not without its own volatility, um, but if you were someone in Greece today and you were trying to transmit monies, the uh, official banking system limits you to uh, 50 or 60 euros a day, is it, that you're allowed to move Um of yep. course, with, with uh, cryptocurrencies, you're, there's no restrictions on what you can move. You're simply limited to the peer-to-peer nature of the network and what the network itself can support in terms of the number of transactions.
0: Well, well let me ask you this then. If this be true, um, let's say you're a part of this scheme right now and you wanted, um, let's say, €6,000. Uh, and you were in Greece and you were part of of this uh, cryptocurrency scheme, how would you get your hands on that physical 6,000 euros today?
3: Well, the way that you would have to do it today is you would have to uh, eventually convert your Bitcoin or uh, whatever cryptocurrency that you were using into a physical currency or precious metal. Um, That's another way that you can do it. But many... Um, merchants are equipped to transact with cryptocurrencies the same way that they are with, with normal currencies. You can walk into many uh, stores today and you can transact with, with bitcoins. Um, you can buy houses with bitcoins. Um, you can do virtually any type of transaction that you can do normally. You could do with a bitcoin or any other number of different uh, so-called cryptocurrencies. Cryptocurrencies.
0: Well, I find that pretty amazing because I don't see it advertised anywhere. I find that kind of amazing. You would think they would have it on the front door, right?
3: Well, the mainstream media is not all that. Ha- <laughs> you, you know, you got to consider who, who to, uh, tends to benefit from that. You see, if I want to send money today to Greece, I'm going to pay uh, – to do that, and I'm going to pay a significant amount of money to the banks to facilitate that transaction. Using cryptocurrencies, you can you can do that for anywhere from free to a very modest amount of money. So what it does is it reduces the amount of fees that are generated with people trying to transact with one another. Ah, oh, we get to the root of it, don't we?
0: Yeah. Transaction fees. Um I see. Well, Tim, um it seems that if this be an algorithm, as you said, uh it would seem uh that this aforementioned gentleman he must have been a complete genius. Uh more importantly, now this is what concerns me, Tim. Uh how did knowledge of such a thing spread exactly?
3: Is a very interesting story. Uh, there's something called the uh, cryptographic community. For lack of a better word, you could say riddlers, people that are very interested in how you can uh, make things hidden or reveal things that are hidden in uh, uh, ones and zeros. And that community, uh, mysteriously, a few years ago, uh, started to get postings, Uh, from a gentleman who called himself Satoshi, uh, claimed to be Japanese but spoke in perfect English, and he was uh, promoting, he wrote basically a graduate-level thesis-style paper and presented open-source code about a new means of exchange that could be used. And uh, very quickly, the crypto community, uh, all of these individuals, we're not talking... Uh, normal people like you and me, but people that, uh, you know, software engineers, developers, economists, people that um, that specialize in this area and work in uh, these areas, looking at this problem to see does he truly have a solution or are there problems or mistakes he's making with his assumptions in his model. And no one could find any problems. No one could find any issues or or. Uh, ways to uh, break down the system. It was. It worked. It. It was. It worked, which in and of itself is, raises questions, right?
0: Well, that's a miracle. Uh, yeah. For one. Uh, for one individual to have done this, the only thing that I come can't come up with is that uh, the binary code system had to been designed uh, from the beginning. Uh, from this particular code Um, that's the only logical conclusion that you can come to you said that he presented this to Riddlers yes and none of them on this planet could find any way by which his plan was not foolproof I find that rather miraculous
3: actually I would agree
0: unless like I said Unless, like I said, this binary code had been from the beginning orchestrated around the concept which he presented decades later. Now, I find it rather amazing that – so, this code works in any language, correct?
3: Yeah, it's it's language agnostic. It's just ones and zeros. I see. We we'll use it on a Mac. You can use um, it on a PC. You can use it on a phone. It's 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 platform agnostic.
0: I hope everybody understood
3: what Tim just said.
0: I hope you realize that what I said uh, is the only way to form a definition around the terms that he just presented. And that really concerns me. Um, What we're trying to say, that if this binary code (laughs) is going to be used uh, to set up, uh, as the Bible plainly tells us, that it will be. uh, There will come a, a day when some code in of itself is designed only for a means of currency exchange. Does that not bother anybody? It's kind of like, well, a shotgun. A shotgun has actually many purposes. You could sell it as a crowbar. You could actually sell it as a shovel. Everybody knows that uh, those people in the military uh, are often want in hazardous situations to start carving themselves a trench with the butt of their weapon. A gun actually has many, many, many uses, especially a shotgun, one that's breech-loaded. It can be used for the perfect funnel, of course. It can be the perfect instrument by which you can see a transit across the sun. It has many uses outside of that of a weapon. But we all know that a breech-loading shotgun was designed for the purpose to kill. And that's what I'm trying to say, and that's uh, after a 40-minute conversation with Tim, is the road that I was led down in my End game conclusion. There's only one such thing talked about in the history of our future. And I did put it to you correctly. The Bible does contain the history of the future. So, Tell me your thoughts on that, uh, and of course well, we do I, need to
3: uh, go no, ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: Uh, we do, of course, need to uh, breach the subject into the scripture. Of course, we can use uh, so many different scriptures. If we were just start, if I was just to start rattling off my head, I'd probably overwhelm the listener. But Amen. your thoughts, and uh, then we need to go to whatever scripture uh, that you feel led for us to go to.
3: Well, let's talk about this. It's a medium of exchange. You could have a drug dealer in Central America transacting with a salvation army in Europe. Neither party would know the nature of each other's business, and neither party would have any reason to be concerned with the nature of either party's business, because you can be certain that the transactions are bona fide. When you consider our current banking system, if you go back to all of the concerns back in 2008, the reason why they did the uh, $700 billion, they gave all of the banks money, whether they needed money or not. And the reason why they did that was because they were concerned about the credits uh, markets freezing up. What that means is, if I have a bank card at Wells Fargo, today I can take that bank card, I can go down to Bank of America, I can go down to uh, First Union uh, Federal, I can go just about into any institution and use my ATM card, and I can get funds out that way. And then at uh, overnight, the two banks will uh, shore up They'll they'll send money here, send money there, and they'll even everything out. Well, in 2008, the banks no longer trusted each other because of exposures that some of the banks had that were, in some cases, on their books, in other cases, not on their books that meant that the institutions were not solvent. So what the President of the United States did and what the Federal Reserve did is they gave all of the banks money to ensure that these transactions would continue. Because if the credit markets froze up, you wouldn't be able to ship. You wouldn't be able to get goods from Asia, from South America to the United States, because no one would know for sure that they were actually going to get paid for those goods. And so going back to cryptocurrencies, why is this important? It's important because, as we saw here today, we had a number of banks in Italy not open up and begin trading because of a very real impact on their stock prices. If there's a concern about these financial institutions and they stop trading, we'll be right back to where we were in 2008. And we can't politically do another bailout. It's not possible. The American people won't stand for it. So You could see this blockchain technology, which is basically – that's the peer-to-peer nature of these networks. You can see where that could be the basis for a medium of exchange between these financial institutions that would allow them to continue to transact in a way that was not backed by silver, not backed by gold, and not backed by trust or by FDIC, insured accounts. It would simply be by the peer-to-peer nature of the network. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? I don't. I don't want to get too technical with anybody. Oh, it it makes so much sense that it makes
2: my gut tight. Well, Tim's when you're saying that, Tim's what what that brings to mind is is when this Bitcoin and all these other cryptocurrencies started to come about. That's the way in which it was pushed. That. You were working around the banks. You weren't having to rely on them. Um, we knew how corrupt they were. We knew how fragile the system was. So let's use this. You know, all the uh, the internet gurus, all of the, the 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 newer generation that handles most of their business on the internet. It was pushed that you know let's operate in this currency so we can just uh, you know leave these these banksters, these one percenters behind. And, um, we can take care of things ourselves. Um, and of course that immediately started causing ripples, um, in, in the banking industry. And I know there was at least one, uh, Bitcoin exchange that, um, went bankrupt, but yep. the way that these, uh, you know, the, the newer internet generation operates is, they know which ones are reliable and they they speak with each other and they understand which ones they can use and which ones they should stay away from which exchanges. So when you consider, um, Oh, that's the way it was. It was pushed. Now we all know there's ulterior motives. There's different things going on behind the scenes. But this is the way it was addressed to to the younger uh, internet generation when it first started coming out. Well,
3: that's that's 100% right. And and the reason why Mt. Gox failed was not because of an issue with the blockchain or the peer-to-peer network. Uh, that was how the transactions occurred. It was the transfer from real physical assets into digital ones. They were taking uh people's monies, and they uh were not able to uh convert them into uh digital uh currencies they they uh lost uh over a million dollars in uh bitcoin and when that happened they became insolvent so it was in that that transfer is where the problem happened um I don't know what's going to happen with Bitcoin. Maybe Bitcoin becomes the default standard or maybe the Federal Reserve banks around the world uh, sensing the need for a uh, banking 2.0 version of means of exchange between themselves. Maybe they agree to a blockchain uh, that they'll use uh, between between the 10, as Matthew was mentioning early in the show um but one thing's for sure the the way that you transact today you know i have family in africa if i want to send them money it takes a while for it to get there jose you've got family in mexico how long does it take for you to get money to them
2: yeah it's a little bit easier now but but in the past it it took some some doing you know usually involves uh sending a money order in a form in which they could cash it that would that would be the most uh, secure way um, right. You know, if you wanted to do it uh, online, you know, there's new ways coming about to do that. But it, it takes a little bit. It takes at least overnight for that transaction to get approved for those banks to agree that that this this can go through.
3: Right. And much and, of that agreeing and, uh, has nothing to do with you or your family member. Much of it has to do with those institutions just getting on the same page with one another.
0: Well... It also involves and comes at great cost, doesn't it? Yes. I mean, great cost. I mean, I know. Um, You know, this ministry has sent lots of people, lots of money, uh, in all kinds of uh, different places. And normally, uh, wow, they take so much of a percentage of the cut, it kind of makes you wince
3: amen but
0: uh i understand what you're saying i'm able to translate this for myself you're saying that under the present means and mode the mark of the beast could not possibly work and they know that what you are saying is that it would absolutely work with this binary bitcode type of exchange. Is that the way you meant to translate it to me? Because that's what I got.
3: Well, amen. And uh, again, the current means of exchange is built around suspicion. It's built on an ancient means of, of, of transfer, You know, uh, in ancient Italy, if I was a banker, I didn't send a ton of gold to England. I exchanged letters of credit. I exchanged um, notes or agreements. And then you started changing the notes and eventually you had currency. Um, And then currencies became ATM uh, cards, right? Right. Well, we're just talking about the next logical step. The next logical step is to get rid of those overnight transfers and agreements and matching up this database with that database and agreeing on a means of exchange. And you can do it at the speed of light. And you don't have to be concerned about the representations on the other side. It's The peer-to-peer nature of the network means that it is so.
0: I see that's rather disturbing to me that there are experts tempting people to use this cryptocurrency and Tim you and I both know that those that need bigger barns that desire to build bigger and better barns they're going to catch on to this and they are going to do it rather than follow the instructions that's recorded in the book of life that's what is really disturbing to me, Tom.
3: Well it's happening now. Uh the biggest players on Wall Street that were responsible for the credit default swaps, uh the derivatives books that are you know, JP Morgan, the uh all of the all of the things that c- allowed uh two thousand and eight to occur all of those financial engineers are all right here right now looking at this blockchain this blockchain technology buying small startup companies and looking for ways to uh corner the market that's what they're all doing they know that the so, margins associated with typical banking are going to go away and the same way that email got rid of the uh, you know put the mailman out of business um That's what blockchain technology is going to do for financial transactions. And they are all lining up and buying companies left and right that are in the space. Well, in
0: reference uh, to chronology that you just mentioned, email literally put the postman out of the job overnight. Right. Uh, Literally as fast as... um, it came up for public consumption to get the internet. And I remember when that happened, uh, the first public internet providers come online, it was game over for the mail carriers. It was game over. Um, This is the whole reason behind uh, this phrase going postal. Uh, Nobody realizes that that is directly related because back then – Of course, everybody uh, knows this, but uh, that's the very first thing that your Internet provider does is they provide you with an email. And this happened literally at lightning speed. People just stopped buying stamps. They just stopped. So I don't think that the listener understands what you just said.
3: Well, put it another way. Said
0: that the people. Let me say this: the people that control our currency is now at a different crap table. Personally, they are already involved with the cryptocurrencies, and they're just looking over their shoulders, keeping an eye on the system that the rest of us are using. That's what you just said.
3: That's right. Think of it this way, what happened to Pitney what happened to Pitney Bowes? Their business was stamp machines, right? They failed to see what was going to happen with the internet and what it meant for communication. They should have made pitneyboes.com and let everybody get an email address for free and just sold the ab- you know, supported it through advertising. If they did, they'd be as big as Google, but they didn't. They they thought their business was in stamps and didn't understand that their business was really facilitating communication. Um but you're right. The all of the uh smart money, they call it uh fintech, uh is interested in this blockchain technology. I'll give you another example. Um, you're familiar with uh The term MERS, right? You're familiar with uh, what MERS has done in this country? Uh, For the listener, MERS is a private corporation that's owned by all of the big mortgage servicers and banks in this country. And the reason it was started was because historically, when someone bought or sold a home and placed a mortgage on it, the cost and the amount of time that it took to record was prohibitive. So what all of these institutions did was they made their own private exchange that was not public. You and I couldn't see it. And they would record the status of mortgages and judgments and liens on property among themselves. And they kept that information current. In some cases, though, it's been alleged in court, and in other cases it's even been one in court, that documentation has been fraudulently added and subtracted from the ledger. So, in other words, uh, let's say that someone files for bankruptcy and the bank never filed a lien on the property, the mortgage. They never put a title. uh, They never updated the title report to show it. Then the bankruptcy attorney um, ran a title search. No mortgage showed up on the property. Um, The banks then would show paperwork from MERS showing that, here, see, it was recorded. Here's where MERS paid for it. Here's the, here's, here's the information. And then when they would call in the uh, local recorder, the recorder would say, I've got no evidence of this. And this happened, you know, you can only do that so many times before you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. But the problem with MERS, uh, Matthew, uh, is is that people don't trust it because it doesn't have a public ledger. You and I can't see and validate if the things that MERS is representing are true or not. And In many cases, it is true. But in some cases, things have not been true that have been on the ledger, and so the ledger is uh, isn't believable. Blockchain technology would completely uh, revolutionize what MERS was trying to do, and do it in a way that all of the concerns uh, about transparency and disclosure would go away, because you couldn't fake uh, recordings that didn't actually exist.
0: Because it's one hundred percent provable who is buying and selling
3: and the currency and the products exchanged. Correct. Right. The ex- the, the exchange it's an e- it's an equation sign. Everything in equals everything out, and the ledger is updated instantaneously to reflect the current uh, that snapshot in time. Um, And you cannot go back in the past to uh, add things to the ledger that weren't there. It's not possible to do that. That's not the way that that technology works. So that is a good thing for the public that in some cases has been uh, taken advantage of by uh, things like MERS. It also has implications for intellectual property and patents. Um, there's a number of good things about the technology, but uh, what we should all be concerned about is, as you said, uh, it could replace a, a bad system with something that's that's worse um, in the form of the perfect. central banks and the way that they communicate. would actually
0: replace it with a perfect system. Yeah. You see, I understand history. I, I know what you're saying. I intricately understand it. You are saying that this technology, in a way of speaking, is living. It's linear. Let me explain to you what Thames actually said. He said you cannot go back into the past and change it. This is what he meant. This mode currency is a stream of ones and zeros. Once that stream is ledgered or locked into place, it cannot be altered because it's linear. It continues to go forward. So you cannot go back three weeks and change a line in the program because this technology is not line by line, ladies and gentlemen. It's Do you understand? It's just like we are right now. Jose, Thames, and I. Right now, we can't go back and change what we just stated because this is a live stream. What Thames is interpreting for you is that this technology. The reason why it is foolproof is because it is a linear stream of binary code. That is the only way, the only way you could accomplish that task. And I'm here to tell you that the only way you could accomplish that task is for that was the sole purpose of the binary code to begin with. So, with that in mind, (laughs) uh, some scriptures came to your mind, Tim, Uh, unless you'd like to discuss this further. Um, We have been on, uh, what, 54 minutes it looks like from the switchboard. Um, I don't know how you'd like to do this, whether we should jump right into the Bible or... Uh, because I, I thought that you had to go in four minutes. Is that correct? Uh,
3: I got to go in about uh, fifty minutes, but um, you know, Matthew and I, as as you said, Matthew, you, you and I spoke privately about this, and you were you were you were firm in what you said, and I knew what you were saying. You said you haven't given the people any. Solutions, you haven't given them anything that they can do um, and hey amen, I accept that. What the listener needs to understand is is that I have not been involved in finance for a very long time. Uh, it used to consume my life. I gave it up. Um, there was a time in my life where I could tell you I could forecast the price of bonds uh accurately for weeks at a time i uh was in banking for ten years, and I was very good at what I did and uh I gave all that up really when I became a christian um, and I hadn't looked back, so I don't even like to look at financial markets i don't I don't particularly care about them I don't particularly care about making money. It's not important to me. Um, but I've, I've participated in contests with a million people on Yahoo before and finished number 20 out of a million people in a stock pickers contest. I forecast the price of a major bank in 1998 within a month of what the price was going to be. And it was, it took a year to get there but I knew exactly where it was going to end up. I don't know why I knew those things. I don't know why, but those things were all taken from me, um, just like Dory talks often about leaving the occult. Um, and so I'm careful about what I say about finance because you know, my life is very different than it used to be. And the last thing I want to do is utilize information to my own personal benefit that's going to harm somebody else. I've been on social media and I've advised people to use cryptocurrency that are in Greece um, because those people need solutions. And I believe in the short run that is a solution. If, uh, If the choice is use a cryptocurrency so I can buy food for my kids or buy antibiotics or just not have those things, then amen that they have the ability to do it. But I have no interest at all in making any money off of the financial markets I don't want anything to do with ill-gotten gains Um, so hopefully that is enough of an explanation for what I'm about to say next my approach or my thought when I think about what's happening in Greece it's time to get right with God because what's getting ready to happen in Greece is a whole lot more serious than people realize. And if you're not right with God, it's going to cost you a lot more than you thought it was going to cost you. Some of those people in Greece didn't pull money out of the bank because they didn't want to lose. It costs money when you close out a 401k, doesn't it? It costs money when you you pull money out of the bank, you're no longer generating interest on it, right? So some of those people right. made that decision because of the opportunity cost. Well, I want everybody to know that the opportunity cost of not getting right with God right now while you can, it will cost you your head. And I don't know how else to say it than just to be very plain. It's time to quit playing around with this stuff and it's time to get serious with holiness and that's the advice that i have for people amen to that i agree for some reason i I was uh i was brought to the new testament um well i read leviticus the fifth chapter and uh then i was brought to the new testament and uh I read about the disciples and how they insisted upon drinking from the Lord's cup. And Jose knows, because we talk all the time, and Matthew knows, I spend all kinds of time in Genesis. And, you know, that cup that was put in Benjamin's sack, that was a cup full of wrath. And I know of only one way that you can get that cup out of your hands, and that's to do what those boys did there in Daniel, the first chapter. So I don't really uh, care where we go to, to read it and to look at it, but the hope that you have, ladies and gentlemen, is to get that cup out of your hands. That's the only hope you have. And by the way, that cup is the very same cup that your Lord and Savior asked his father to take from him. He agreed to drink it, and he was obedient unto death, but having his preference, he would have preferred to not have had to have drank from that cup. Am I wrong in saying that?
0: Absolutely not. That's what he said with his own mouth. Take this cup from me, but not my will be done, but thine. You know, the whole reason why I pointed out the obvious to me about this cryptocurrency was because you weren't going to heed what Tams just said. And I'm sorry about that. When evil men... (laughs) are promoting something, only because they're outside of the evil scheme, you all should know better. All of you should know better. And Tim's is absolutely right. If you want a quick fix, that's what you'll do. Go ahead and go into cryptocurrency. I'm not advising you one way or the other. I'm just letting you know ahead of time what it means. Now, we all know what Christ told the rich young ruler. And I'll tell you the same way that I told Tim's. I've stated multiple times that uh, I volunteered at the Salvation Army many times. Whenever you say Salvation Army to most people, they think that you mean the second-hand store. They don't realize it's actually a church. And almost 100% of the time, except when it's beyond their means, they also have a shelter there for homeless people or for uh, women with uh, children that lack housing. It's actually a church, and it's the safest place on this planet come hardship. Because when you get to know the poor people, the poor community, the rough cuts, shall we say, they will never, under any circumstances, go to the Salvation Army to loot. Oh, they'll go to Best Buy. You can bet your bottom dollar on that. But they will never venture. to the homeless shelters to do harm. Have you ever heard of a riot at a Salvation Army? We do have historical context, you know. Do we not? Oh, (laughs) even in recent history in this country. Don't you know? Haven't you read? Oh, I know. It's well within the means of some of the listeners who's going to listen to this broadcast it's will within your means to do exactly what i just insinuated you do but you won't will you so we need to take a look at these scriptures and you need to understand About that cup. I certainly don't want you to pay for it later. But if you do, Tim is right. The only medium of acceptable exchange will be thine head. And I only say that because my father proclaims the end from the beginning so Tim you've rattled off a whole bunch of scriptures there where would you like to start surely the Lord our God would have you start someplace
3: well I've got uh, I've got Daniel 1 up but of course that's not the beginning uh the beginning would, of course, be in Genesis. But I mean, you—you you tell me, where do you, you Jose? I mean, where do you guys think we we kick this kick this off? Jose, you got an opinion? Yeah, Daniel sounds like a good place. That's
2: kind of what uh, when I was doing a little bit of research last night. That's kind of where where I was led. So let's see what let's see what you found there, Tim.
3: Okay.
0: Hey man, I was gonna say the, I was gonna say the exact same thing.
2: So
3: let's
0: do it. That's that's the place to start,
3: I guess. All right. Um, <clears throat> you want me to start from the beginning, or you want me to start uh, at that part of the stanza?
0: I want you to start where God led you. That's where I want you to start.
3: Okay. I think it's important to start at the beginning because. Well, we always have markers. We always have uh, milestones. And uh, there was a reason why Daniel was in Babylon in the first place. Amen? Absolutely. He didn't just wake up Absolutely. one day and say, Hey, I wonder what it'd be like to live in Babylon. He was in Babylon because they were under judgment. Because the judgment on a king extends to the whole kingdom. So, starting here in Daniel, uh, the first chapter, starting with verse 1, I'll just read it, and then we can just talk about it. Okay. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, of J- king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the household of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Aspinaz, his chief Enoch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge and understanding, learning, competent to stand in the king's palace, to teach them the literature and the language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were educated for three years and at the end of that time they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and your drink for why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age so you would endanger my head with the king then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel Hananiah Mishael and Azariah test your servants for 10 days let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink Let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you, and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. At the end of ten days, it was seen that they were in better appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in the literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in visions and dreams. At the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they would be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king." And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and chanters that were in his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus.
0: Well, I'm sure we at least heard all about the three years. We got it twice. I'm sure we all got about the ten. You know... One thing I'd like to point out before anybody else speaks to the matter. You realize that ten times or ten days got them ten times the understanding or the volume. I love how God does this here in the Hebraic text. Um, It's uh, amazing to me what's going on. And the simple lesson here is that it really doesn't matter who's your king. It doesn't matter if it's the one that was, well, yours by default or the one that was forced upon you. It doesn't really matter. What really matters is that you follow the statutes and the ordinances of the Lord your God. That's the one thing that I get from this. Just my gut feeling. It amazes me how people fail to see this very simple lesson with this chapter. It doesn't matter who your king is is whether he's yours by election or not. It doesn't matter what is deemed to be what is best for you by all stretches of the imagination. What matters is that what will always be best for you is what the Lord your God has instructed you to do. Temps, Uh, your thoughts on on why you wanted to read this chapter concerning the current crisis. Uh, Because having read it, people are probably
3: a little bit more than confused, don't you think? Well, amen. The fact remains that they were in judgment. That's why they were in Babylon in the first place. And notice, the first thing he says is that they took both of the royal family and the nobility, youths without blemish of good appearance, skillful in wisdom, endowed with knowledge. Matthew, who's uh, your family? Who's, wh- what family do you belong to? <laughs> I belong to the Millers, by every stretch of the
0: imagination.
3: Are you a member of the royal family?
2: You
0: bet your bottom dollar that I am, because the Millers are part of a kingdom. That kingdom be the family of
3: God. Amen. So we're not just talking about anybody. This judgment extended to everybody. And part of that punishment was what they were supposed to eat and what they were supposed to drink. And probably the most concerning thing is the thing that the chapter doesn't say, but it, it intimates Can you imagine, Jose, being a young boy and being taken captive? Your kingdom has just fallen, and you're in the presence of the king. In that situation, are you going to cling to those things that you were taught as a youth, or are you going to embrace the new way?
2: Well, considering the consequences that they would have faced for not following the king's orders, um a normal child, a normal youth would have uh, capitulated probably like the way the rest of those youth did aside from the four that we were told about in Daniel. That would have, what would have been right in front of your face is what would have concerned you, not, not what you were told about, um, before all these events took place, before you saw the house of your God destroyed, before you saw the land of Israel destroyed, um, it would been it would take enormous strength and endurance to have faith in what you were in how you were raised at that point in terms. It. it would
3: Amen. And yet when we look at uh contemporary society, people are overwhelmed with what their eyes see. And I'm going to give a a silly example, but hopefully the the listener will will get what I'm saying. Um, I love to play Uno with my daughter. But every time we play, we have an argument about whether we're going to play the electronic version or the one that you play with cards. In my mind, the only way that you play Uno is with cards. In my daughter's mind, you're supposed to play Uno on a tablet. She's embraced the new way of doing things, the, Dad. The way that you're doing it, these cards are, you know, they're they're bent, and and I don't know how to shuffle them, and you, you know, this takes too long. We need to do this on on the tablet. Matthew, you got teenagers. Your boys ever come with you with the new ways of doing things and saying that they don't want to do it the old way?
4: Uh,
0: personally, no. Never have that problem.
3: Well, but you you get my point. And there's a reason. Amen. Oh yes, I, I get your
0: point. But remember what and who you're asking. Uh we do things around here biblically. That's Amen. how we do them here. We we don't we, we don't go to the left and and we don't go to the right and so my children have not been strapped with this electronic means. Uh, so it's kind of unfair to ask me that question uh, because they don't know that any other form of Uno exists other than what they've been provided with.
3: Well, amen. So,
0: sorry about that, but probably a bad example. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, amen. Um, but you can well, just, you can imagine just, just in your ba- mind what I just. Just to back you said. up, Tim, um yeah. uh, As
2: far as my my boys are concerned you know when i when I grew up learning a subject um you know I had to go to the library, I had to get the encyclopedias I had to bring all that information to bear all that paper medium to be able to research a topic um uh, my boys just bring up a video on YouTube and whatever subject they happen to re- be researching um they watch that and even though there's so much misinformation on there they they find uh, a lot more they seem to find their way to the truth using that way, and they learn um, a lot more and a lot qu- more uh, quickly than I did uh, the old-fashioned way. Now, you know, I would argue that doing it the old-fashioned way is, uh, is, is stuck it a little bit more uh, in my in my brain, in my memory. But you know, time will bear that out. But that's that's the way they research. Um, they don't they don't go to the library
3: anymore. Well, amen. Um. And that's what sticks out to my mind first and foremost, uh, Jose. What are what are your thoughts?
2: Well, just uh, immediately the fact that the vessels of the house of God were brought into the treasury of of His God. Um, that that's where they went to into the treasury. Um, the treasury is in the house of His God. Let me read that verse, verse two, so we get the full meaning. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. So this this really tracks right along you know, what, what we started off the show with. This treasury, the currency attached to that treasury, and of course, inevitably, that currency is attached uh, to a god. Um, it's exactly what we see happening today. And then, and then, just the most obvious thing about this chapter, every time I read it, it's it's tied to their bellies, Tim's. Um Their Amen. concern for their for what food they're going to put into their mouth, and that is that's at, that's at the heart of of the, the the little people who are concerned with currency, you know, the people on our level, the people that we encounter every day that worry about, you know, where their next dollar is going to come from. The reason why they're worried about that is because they're worried about how they're going to eat. Um, you know, you understand that the the, the bigwigs, uh, they look at currency a little bit differently because they're not concerned about their belly. Um, they're concerned about building up their storehouses. But... That's going to be the the meat and potatoes when it comes to our time of testing is is our belly and where that de- that desire lies and if we have faith that the Lord will fill our belly. Um, of course, if you have understanding, you know that we don't necessarily always need the physical meat to survive. Um, the spiritual bread and the spiritual water that the Lord provides to us is much more important as was evident with Daniel and, and his friends here. So that those are the, just the two immediate things that struck me from you reading this chapter,
3: James. Amen. I'm going to add one more thing before I turn it over to you, Matthew, and it'll probably be a good segue. Uh, but I love how the chapter ends up with the king spoke with them and none were found like them. And it mentions specifically that they were brighter than any of the other youths, does it not?
0: That's exactly what the text
3: depicts. Now, when I think about that brightness, I'm immediately drawn to Isaiah 30.26, because what does it say there? It says, the light of the moon will be (laughs) as the light of the sun. Yes. And of course, we're all
0: told that the moon is the faithful witness. Amen. Segwaying this right back and uh, tying this in psychologically speaking, because uh, that which was sacred, which transferred over to that which was not sacred, uh, everything of value uh, that the Hebrew children deemed to have value, the most precious articles on this planet all of a sudden that thing which we call priceless all of a sudden had a price tag put on it once it entered into the king's treasury it was of course ledgered by its value it's the way it was always done And that's exactly what's going to happen again. And so when you just think about what I just said, what happened in this first very simple chapter was defining the parameters of what is to come. There is going to come a time and there is going to come a a system by which everything will be able to be ledgered by its value. We're told that point blank in the book of Revelation. Amen. And looking looking down that long path, uh, this is tied part and parcel with, of course, the dire warning that those who lead into captivity, into captivity they will go. Uh It takes your mind down that path. Exactly what happened to the four Hebrew children here. Amen. This is why, uh, uh, this is why, of course, um, Ezekiel chapter 34 uh, tells you that uh, you're going to be uh, taken from that system. It's exactly what it says. And even though all the shepherds today fail to tell everybody, and it comes right out and tells you, point blank, about the day God intends to do this. It tells you about the day. It describes the day there in verse 12 uh, of Ezekiel 34. So when you look at this and, and, and all of its greater details and greater implications, it's the simple fact that if the four Hebrew children went through the first three years. You better bet your bottom dollar that you are going to go through those first three years. This chapter tripped over itself, defining that for you. The simple fact that the period of judgment was, well, three years, made it very simply plain and clear. And it made no leniency for left or right. There was no give way. So amen. You know, when I personally think about the only articles of value here mentioned uh, were the articles, of course, from the sanctuary and the. Thing that amazes me is that all of the children, who knows how many there were, it was the four that cho- that chose uh, to not be a part of that system are the ones that actually excelled. And I find that lesson very simplistic uh, in its delivery,
3: how it teaches you that. Well, amen. It's really amazing the... to me. Those are the ones that stood before the king. Amen? That's right. Amen. It comes right out and tells you that. And it says that they were ten times better than the magicians, the enchanters that were in all his kingdom. Ten times.
0: That's right. In ten days. In ten days, they were ten times better.
3: So, ladies and gentlemen, what we're really saying to you is, is that your hope lies in that obedience. As Matthew's just pointed out, as Jose's just pointed out, as I've just tripped over myself trying to point out, your only hope is in practicing that holiness and doing those things which you know that your Lord and Savior has told you to do.
0: And rejecting the status quo. You know, it was very clear, and he was giving the commands here.
3: Boy, amen. Okay.
0: These were experts in dietary meaning. Uh, You can bet your bottom dollar them being in the palace of the king with which whom they were, you can bet your bottom dollar that they literally had gotten uh, the absolute greatest nutritionist that probably had ever lived. They knew exactly what they were doing. And bringing us to this present time, I made mention earlier about Mr. Kaiser. And I could go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. on. However, the Lord your God has, from the very beginning, told you that the only way you can receive is to give.
3: Well, amen. And, well... These youths probably were familiar with what was written there in Proverbs 23. Oh, yes. Do not desire his delicacies, for they are deceptive food. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be discerning enough to desist. When your eyes light on it, it is gone, for suddenly it sprouts wings like an eagle toward heaven. What do you think was in boy, that eagle's talons fact... that was headed towards heaven? What do you, what do you think was there? <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> it said it quite perfectly, didn't it? it put yes, it, it does. In just the way that four Hebrew children could hear it. Well, amen. It was spoken just exactly the way it needed to be spoken. And we get that here in a few chapters, by the way. Ladies and gentlemen, don't let your eyes be deceived. You know, what you had better be considered valuable, it had better not be able to have a price tag put on it. because the things that have value have no monetary worth. Well, amen. Matter of fact, I would almost say to the point it would be just the exact opposite. The Good Samaritan comes to mind, of course.
3: Amen. Well, put it like this. Judges, the Benjamite concubine. She was probably a pretty attractive woman before that mob got a hold of her, don't you think? Amen. And after they had had their way with her, that beauty would have been gone, would it not? Yes,
0: it would have been extinguished.
3: Anything that you have that can be taken from you, will be taken from you. Will be taken from you. But you know what can't be taken? Your heart. The things that you did prior to that moment. And if you are storing away righteous acts and preparing your heart and building up your faith by reading your Bible, I don't know how else you're going to be able to stand on that day. And it is coming.
0: It is coming. Yes. By extrapolation, the only thing that you cannot have taken from you, ladies and gentlemen, is that which you have already given away. Amen. And if you don't understand that, I don't I, I'm I completely agree with Tim. I don't understand how you could possibly stand on that day. I
3: don't know how you could. Well here, let's let's talk about last week. Last week everybody was in a tizzy because of what happened in Greece, but there was another event that happened. All of those innocent people mm-hmm. were murdered. And yes. the most powerful imagery that I have from last week is that newsman on TV breaking down into tears because of those Christian men and women behind him at that church praying and singing. They had something that in that dark moment could not be taken from them. They had faith. They had love. Did anybody see that young boy a day or two after his mother had been killed? Saying that he forgave that man? The testimony that went out last week by Christian people, I, I, I don't know how to I don't even know it I don't know how to express it. But I can tell you that the, the news people that were in the presence of those things they were breaking down in tears. And those testimonies, ladies and gentlemen, those are going to clothe others, just as Matthew said. That boy gave away his love and concern for his fellow man to anybody who happened to be listening to what he said. And those who listened to it couldn't help but by but be touched by his compassion and his love and by the testimony of Jesus Christ. And in doing so, more lives were saved. I would venture to guess that there were hundreds of people who gave their life to Christ because of what they saw. And that is a promise we've been given. Amen? Where sin abounds, grace abounds. Well, that must be the case,
0: because... Just wait a little while and read a few more chapters, and lo and behold, who chased after the star? (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, everybody knows, um, both biblical and extra-biblical text, um, everybody knows about the Magi and where they came from. You're wrong in your history, by the way. I know who they came from. They came from four Hebrew children that stood even amongst the flame. That's where they came from. And this runs straight to Revelation, doesn't it? It's Revelation that we're told. By the way, you're going to be tested 10 days. Amen. I mean, it doesn't matter what the commentaries say. That's exactly what it says. If you are a child of God that happened to be uh, still awake when the night falls, you're going to be tested 10 days. You can take that to the bank.
3: Amen. Because he's lawful. He's consistent in his judgments. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. May it ever be so.
3: Jose where yet.
2: Well, I just keep drawing back to uh verse 4 comes, so and once it says that the youth had no defect, they showed intelligence and every wisdom endowed with understanding, discerning knowledge, and who had ability for serving in the king's court. These were the ones that were tested. Uh, many of the common folk that would have been brought over by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians, they weren't tested with the king's meat. Um... They were probably lucky if they had anything to eat there. But the ones that were tested were those that had the wisdom and the understanding. The ones who had the fear of their Lord as they were brought up uh, in the royal family and with the nobles. That's what was tested. Whether or not that fear was there, what their what was in their heart, you know, Those who read their Bible, those who try to write his word on their heart, they're going to get, I mean, mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Matthew, but I'm getting the feeling that they're going to get a larger amount of testing than someone who may not have that ability to to study the way we can, Matthew. That's that's just what I'm seeing here. During those three years, during those ten days, and if you claim that you've been going up in the church all your life and you've been reading the Bible all your life, well you know that's that's gonna be tested.
3: Well amen. But what was what was standing or where were they standing at the end of that test? Amen. 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 But your thoughts, Matthew, on what he just said? absolutely the Lord
0: promises this in more ways than one I mean the most easiest that everybody could readily understand is you are not tempted beyond what you can bear right and one thing is for sure they were found such because they had to have known other scriptures amen One's like that was said to Job. And to the man he said, Behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. It's repeated in the scripture actually, where it is that understanding comes from.
3: Amen. Or how about there in Genesis, how many of Joseph's uh, brothers did he present to Pharaoh? Did he take the whole family? <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, Daddy. If my memory serves me correct, he took five. Adding in himself and his father, of course, you get to seven, but nevertheless, uh, it would have been half, i.e. why in the New Testament it talks about the five faithful and the five unfaithful.
0: Because that was laid down in the beginning, that's why.
3: Now, I know, a Matthew, way. you are—you're a, a smart guy. You—and I didn't mean to offend you with what I just said. I know that probably did. Forgive me, but I know that you know quite a bit, and you have a lot of wisdom. But I also know that you don't want to be here. And if you had the opportunity to stand before the king, um, well, I think you'd probably be full of some fear but I think the opportunity to see him in all of his grandeur, I think that would be appealing to you. Oh, it'd be exit stage left. The first
0: available opportunity to get out from underneath the pyramid scheme. <laughs> you can you can write me off. Yes, I'm gone. I do not belong here. And that's, that's just the simple fact. Um, My family still marvel after me when I engage with people. I make them nervous. I make them afraid. They don't understand me. People with (laughs) more than one degree come to me and ask me questions. Afraid to approach me. I don't belong here. Because this isn't where I'm from. Yeah, I'm stuck here, just like four Hebrew children. Oh, but I didn't come from here. I come from the sanctuary. I come from the holy place.
3: Amen. And if you come from that royal family and of the nobility you should be wanting that opportunity to stand before the king. Now maybe in your current condition that would be the last place you should want to be because you know that you've got a whole lot of work to do. And to be in his presence is to be judged. But In those quiet times when you get a little bit curious, you probably are thinking, what would it be like to behold him in all his glory?
0: Well, Tim, my father's taught me otherwise. He's always taught me never to be desirous of how he looks. When you wind up in front of him, put your face to the ground that's where it belongs so I am overtly excited to feel him to see him I don't need I would dirty his glory with my glare he has commanded that that should not be done I should not be able to see him but I most earnestly long for the opportunity to be face down right in front of him. Right smack dab in front of him. As a matter of fact, I would willingly offer him my back as a footstool. I have never considered myself to be so grandiose as to stand erect in his presence. Never would I do that. He would have to order me himself to do so. Even if the mighty cherubim was to insinuate that I should stand and face the Lord, my God. Maybe they'd win, but they'd be in for a serious whooping. He would have to order me to stand up. And that's the truth. I don't, I could never see the context by which I would want to disgrace him so by erecting myself in his presence. Make no mistakes about it. I know exactly what I deserve. I know exactly what I've got coming to me. And it's not the privilege of standing up in his face. I deserve to go to the valley of Jezreel right along with the rest of the rebellious. That's where I belong. That's what I deserve. However, His Son, by His own volition, has stood in my place in that fiery judgment. These things I accept. I understand. Like I said, I don't belong here. Everything I just said is probably alien and foreign to everyone who listens to this broadcast, but it is the truth. You could come here and ask my wife, and that's what she would tell you, because... We've talked about this subject before. You could ask all of my children, and they will immediately tell you, No, daddy will not stand up in God's face. I mean, that's what everybody else longs for. Everybody else jumps up and down for that. They can't wait for that. Not me. And I understand that it's going to have to work the same way if other people get the privilege to stand up in his presence and to enjoy him and he enjoy them. It's only going to come a great sacrifice to me because I speak a foreign language to them. They cannot understand me, but they can watch me. They can mimic me. You know, ladies and gentlemen, how do you think the British taught (laughs) the Spanish indigenous population how to pick coffee? You think they could speak... English? No, of course not. And I don't need to stop there, do I? All of the missionaries from the 1800s, none of them could speak the language to which they, that place that they went to. They had to show them by what they did. So I know the only way to accomplish that, is to show them by what I do. And at the day, at the very end of the day, at the final twilight, I understand that. I understand that God desires that one he don't desire me. That thought has always broken my heart. But it remains. And even though it be tested with the fiery furnace it will stand. Even though I want with all my heart to have him still desire me, that's not the way it is. I'm already in the flop. Like I said, the only way to get the one that he desires is at great expense to me. I wish these things were a different way, but they're not, because that's what he said, and that's exactly what he meant.
3: Amen. His heart is with the lost. I probably rambled on.
0: Amen. It is. I probably rambled on too long, didn't I?
3: No. You said exactly what needed to be said. I was dancing around it, trying to find the right way to say it, and you corrected. Did.
0: Jose, what say you?
2: Well, it's. It's it's right along the what you've just been saying, Matthew. All these blessings, whether they be monetary, whether they be physical in the means of you know food that we have, whether they be abilities or, or certain things that we can do. It's our obligation as Christians it's what our job is now that we've been saved now that we have been found it's our obligation to use that to find that lost one to help those out. That's just part of the job description. You're no longer the center of attention you're a part of the body and now it's your job to find the lost by everything that God's given at your disposal. And using that wisdom and understanding is the only way to know how to use those gifts and blessings that God has given you. Because I know they're, they're not for me, Matthew. I don't need anything. I've already got what I need. So anything that I have only serves one purpose. And That includes uh, whatever currency we might be trading in, whatever whatever currency we might get paid in because of our physical labor. While it's viable and while it's can be of use, it only serves one purpose: to help the Lord find the lost, to help the Lord find that which he desires, and that which he deserves.
3: Amen. Amen. We need to be working on the Beatitudes and expressing the testimonies and being a witness.
0: even when our own mother gets gunned down. Amen. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're at the end of this broadcast. Brace yourself for what is to come, what's been promised to you. This is just the beginning in Greece. And yes, there are options that you can do. You can run to commodities of any various type. You can run to cryptocurrency. But that's not what God said. That is not what is valuable to Him. And before this event takes place, because it will. It's going to be done that way by design by the craftsman. And when it does, at that time, it's going to be too late. The only type of currency exchange you should be concerned with was transferring what you deem to have value into what he deems to have value, because then you will have value indeed. Amen. You don't need a boat to cross the water. You can walk on it. You don't need to get a charter bus to get where God needs you to be. He can just pick you up and carry you away. And what happened that day, by the way, when the servant of the Lord was picked up and carried away, he had some other place that God needed him to uh, Witness to somebody, too. That has value. That has value. Even though there is no currency exchanged. Well, guys, I had a blast again. I love the portico, man. Uh, I always have loved the portico. Good stuff, and I hope everybody takes away good stuff with them. I gave what I had to give. I hope you deem it to be valuable. Tim went to great lengths to bring you what he had to give today, and I am overtly qualified to tell you, it most certainly was valuable. And it most certainly had a silver lining, too, because Jose was here, and every single word that came out of his mouth echoed his voice. I know his voice. So... Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, God bless and God speed.